This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border and politicians build a new world order Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and we are indeed live. It is the Friday show, so we're blasting around around the world thanks to platforms like the K-Star Talk Radio Network, ZMA Radio, uh, Liberty Talk FM, and of course, all the different components of the Vera Networks. Uh, that includes... WCET-FM in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, where we're going out over the regular airwaves as well. So glad to have all you guys along for the ride. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I'm honored and humbled by the fact that you choose to give up a little piece of your long-awaited and hard-earned weekend to hang out with us. Uh, today uh, should be uh, informative and hopefully entertaining as well. Got four 
scheduled guest joining us here in the first hour. We've got Ross Thompson joining us. He is the co-founder of Patriot Defender, a great organization that if you're a regular listener of this show, you might find yourself in need of. We'll be talking about the launch of Patriot Defender and exactly what it is they're doing. Uh, We're also scheduled to be joined by uh, return guest Mark Mix. He is, of course, the president of the National Right to Work Committee. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the brand new unprecedented auto worker strike and very very historic leave it to joe biden to find a way to screw things up that ordinarily a democrat can't uh, in the second hour uh, we're scheduled to be joined by retired marine colonel eric buer he is an expert in uh, avionics And uh, he is the author of The Ghost of Baghdad. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about the book, but primarily, uh, I want to get his take on whether or not Joe Biden's woke policies is leading to the hazardous uh, situation for our men and women in uniform when they uh, are engaged in piloting. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that or not, but it seems like we've had an awful lot of crashes, more so than is historically relevant. And then last but certainly not least, we are scheduled to be joined by Mr. James Fishback. He is the founder and executive director of Incubate Debate, which is one of the largest. In fact, I think it is the largest no-cost debate leagues uh, that is out there helping to reestablish the idea of a debate being an exchange of ideas, not just a cancel quest. Uh, We'll be talking about some specifics about presidential debates as well. Uh, All that, and uh, we'll see what else I can squeeze out of all these folks as we go. But before we get started with any of that, you know the routine. We have to start off by trying to sell you something. And what we're going to try to sell you right now uh, is something that most of you guys probably need. And since we'll be talking uh, to Mr. Thompson first, let's start with Vanish Holsters. Yes, that's right. It is the most comfortable holster out there. Don't take my word for it. Thousands of their customers are willing to tell you. And uh, as you know... Comfort is a big issue when it comes to whether or not you choose to carry. But the bigger issue right now for Vanish Holster and for most of you guys out there is the fact it's designed to save you money. The Vanish Holster works with almost all semi-automatic handguns out there, so you don't have to have a different holster for every different sidearm that you want to carry in any given moment. It works with just about any of them. It's designed to work without a tactical belt, so... There's one of those hidden expenses that you might not be thinking about when you pick out that new holster. But better yet, it also lets you carry two magazines along with the firearm. So if a quick reload is necessary, you're good to go. But the worst part is that we are living in an age of Bidenomics. So what I really have to do is insist that you guys go visit them sooner rather than later. Prices will be going up soon. Uh, We've already seen prices going up for just about everybody. It's a done deal. Supply chain issues and Bidenomics have forced everybody into having to raise the prices. The problem is when you have inflation, the dollar's worth less. So, (coughs) excuse me, go right now. Visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. By using the backslash T-A-P-P, you automatically activate a $40 discount on top of your money savings 
by virtue of buying why the dollar still has some buying power. That's what you really got to do. So one more time, visit www.vnsh.com and don't forget to use the backslash T-A-P-P. Uh, are we... Uh, are we good to go? We are good to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, let me welcome to the show for the first time. He is the co-founder of Patriot Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ross Thompson. Uh, Ross, first, before we even get started on anything else, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And how are you this Friday evening? Good, Tim. I appreciate the uh, the uh, the invite and uh, look forward to talking to you and the uh, the listeners. All right. Well, definitely glad to have you here on board. Uh, the idea of uh, Patriot Defender, uh, it's its a great one, but I feel kind of sad at the fact that we have to have it. Uh, let, let the listeners know, just in case somebody's been under a rock and hasn't heard about Patriot Defenders yet, tell them a little bit about the organization and what led you guys to uh, deciding that it was something you needed to do. Sure. So, so Patriot Defender is a, a membership, uh, indemnified membership program, similar to, you know, an insurance program, if you will. Um, and so what we did was we took the, the, the concealed carry insurance products, right, that, that protect us um, with our Second Amendment rights. Um, we expanded that to our First Amendment rights. So Patriot Defender is the, the first and only um, indemnified membership program um, for what we call legal defense and moral sense, right? So, 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 so sorry, self-defense, moral sense, right? So, so we, we protect you um, if you have to stand up and use your voice um, to to protect your First Amendment right in a school board meeting, um, at your workplace, um, anything else at a school, um, and we also we also uh, are there to protect you for self-defense. Um, so we are we are the the full product with a full envelope um, on protecting uh, the first and second amendment rights and providing the legal defense um, should you need those um, those defenses. Yeah. Well, you know, again, like I said, absolutely great idea given the current council culture, and you know we see examples over and over again. Spend a lot of time if you're. Conservative in this medium at all. It seems like every story we've talked about for the last 18 months at least, and then every other story for the previous two years was somebody having to deal with uh, a, an unfair and essentially unlawful pressure against them, uh, threatening their, uh, their ability to earn a living, threatening their ability to uh, exercise that First Amendment right. We see people being forcibly removed from school board meetings, which is something you mentioned a couple of times. Uh, it's one of those things where there was a time, and it feels like it wasn't that long ago, Ross, that, that we wouldn't have to worry about this kind of thing. But it really feels like the political left in this country has really pushed the envelope and created a whole new level of following the Alinsky rules for radicals of demonizing their opponents uh, ever since Barack Obama was uh, placed in the White House. It was like suddenly the left thought they were past that tipping point. They'd never lose again. They could start doing whatever they want. Uh, what was the tipping point uh, for you guys to decide that, yes, we've got to go ahead and do this. Because, again, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago when the court would just work it out. 
uh, where you didn't have to worry about being fired about having an opinion and certainly didn't have to worry about being uh, thrown in jail at a school board meeting. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so my, my co-founders, uh, which includes Buck Sexton, um, who's obviously a former Intel um, officer um, and, you know, obviously a, a big, big, uh, a big voice on uh, his show with 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 um, Clay Travis on Fox. Um, we all came together and said, listen, we we all spent so many years in this country and and it's a sad, sad day when we actually as conservative Americans do not trust the the government to protect our rights. Right. And and so what do we do about that? How do we how do we how do we take the target off conservative Americans? Because you're absolutely right, Tim. The even if you do everything right, even if you 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 speak up or you use your 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 firearm to the letter of the law, the process is going to be the punishment. Right. You, you could win. You could win the court case. You could you could win everything else. But between the media misrepresentation and and just dragging you into court to, to sort things out is the the absolute worst punishment. Right. So the, the process is the punishment. And, and how do we defend against that? Right. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to say for First Amendment rights. So so everything from political discrimination, religious discrimination, media misrepresentation, um, even even things like IRS audits, um, you know, loss of property. Um, you know, if you're the crime if you're the victim of a crime uh, of, of an illegal alien, um, we want to be able to provide you with that legal defense. Right. So so just like insurance, it's it's a it's a ten ten dollars a month, less than ten dollars a month. And if you should be the victim of any of these these issues, right, we'll we'll stand beside you with the with the right people, the right resources and, and, and the right the right financial resources to to defend you in court um, so that that you don't you don't lose your home. You don't lose all your money. You don't you don't lose your sanity. You don't you don't lose all those things um, because that's what it's coming to these days. And and again, you know, you know, Buck and I and the other founders, we said, listen, enough's enough. And so if we could if we could take the the Patriot Defender um, promise and the Patriot Defender brand and use it just like a a alarm sign on your front lawn that says, listen, I have Patriot Defender. I have the resources and the back and the connections and 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 the expertise to 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 defend myself so so don't come after me if i voice my opinion or voice my beliefs or voice who i am um then then that that's a win for us and so that's what we want to do we want to make it difficult to paint a target on just hard-working blue-collar conservative americans that that just want their kids to have a better future that just want to speak their truth they want to pray they want to pray um, they want to work the way they want to work and, and, and not be you know, the, the victim of these, these leftist bullies that just want an easy win or they want a headline or they, they, they want a cheap shot. And, and, and those things can ruin somebody's life. And so we wanted to stand up against that and say enough's enough. And if you want to come after our members, then guess what? You're going to have a whole lot more of a fight than you think you will. Yeah. Uh, it, like I said already a couple times, it's such a great idea, but I, I just keep circling around to the fact that I hate we have to have something like this. Uh, so as the uh, 
Patriot Defender organization has been built up. Uh, I would assume that you guys are still really working on making sure that plenty of conservatives out there know it's available. But uh, you've already been growing. You've been uh, working. You've been getting the, the message out there. I know I've seen you at a few different places uh, promoting and trying to inform. Uh, at, at this point, have you had to go to court yet, or are you still uh, at this point not having uh, to have done that because of the early stages and none of your current clientele have been there? Because uh, it would seem to me like it's not going to take very long at all for you guys to have to go to court. Well, this is the whole idea is that we're 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 made to do that, right? So I, I can't I can't talk about certain um, instances. Um, right. There definitely are some things. Um, in the pipeline that we are, we are working with our members to protect them and to do certain things. Um, there's and, and there's a lot of people that I wish were members um, before before the things that happened to them. There was a there was a there was a mother in in California that got fired from you know she she had a real estate practice. Um, you know she was a subsidiary of a larger corporation in New York. She spoke out during a school board meeting, um, and these these leftist bullies came after her and they started writing emails um, to the to the the parent company saying that she was a, a racist and a nazi and all these terrible things that aren't even true and 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 they bent to that those 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 leftist radical crazies and they fired her and so it's people like that that i wish um knew about what we were doing knew about what we could what we could provide um because those are just the the, the cases that we, we we are designed to to step in the gap and, and you're absolutely right it's a sad day in america when we have to do this, when the private sector has to develop some kind of mechanism to to protect conservative Americans so that they can actually speak their mind. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. It, it's a sad day. And I wish I, I wish I never had to do it. Um, but but there's only one way to stop it. And that's to give enough hurt back to them where where it costs them enough money um, to to say, you know what, maybe we should just. Stop going after these people. All right. Well, I mean, that really is the only way to get it to slow down. The, these folks are going to have to start paying uh, not just a political cost because <clears throat> several of them are willing to take that. They're going to have to start uh, paying a, a numerical cost. They're going to have to start losing in court and having to cough up some cash and start having some of those deep pockets that have claimed to be willing to protect them uh, start shying away. Uh, unfortunately, we also still live in a time when our judicial system has been infiltrated by activist judges, so we don't always get uh, those immediate uh, results that we should expect that the Constitution would demand. And uh, we also have seen efforts to just run around and debar lawyers that are willing to stand up uh, for conservative voices. I mean, we've seen them practically – uh, turn defending Donald Trump into a crime, uh, just as a good example that a lot of people are aware of. Uh, do you have any concerns about that type of behavior, maybe thinning the pool of attorneys that will be uh, helping to work with your organization? Because uh, it, it certainly seems like it's had a chilling effect already to a certain degree. Well, listen, I think I think those those cases are very, very loud and big, but I think, you know, fundamentally – um, you know the people involved are, are a smaller pool. I think the biggest, the bigger, the bigger concern is is the a million smaller ones that we have to worry about. Right? Uh, again, um, you know th that's the concern for us. 
There's a million people out there that are getting fired for voicing their opinion at a school board meeting or saying, hey, I don't want to change in a locker room with with a woman that that, you know, has a has male genitalia. Um, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, I, I don't I don't want those books in my library, um, you know, that talk about, you know, sodomy and and and, you know, trans and and and, you know, everything else. And, and I don't want that. And, and that's OK to speak up against. The problem we're having is that that's becoming a crime um, and that's becoming, you know, a, a a focal point for the left. The process is going to be the punishment. I'm going to ruin your life. The media is going to step in and misrepresent what you said or what you did. Um, and they're going to ruin your chances of employment or, or anything else in life. And it's those a million cases that I want to, you know, protect. Trump's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of lawyers, and and I wish him the best. I really do. Um, it's just I can't I can't do anything to help him. Um, all I can do is is vote for him, which which of course I will. Um, but I want to protect the a million people that are going to vote for Trump um, and that can get him out of this mess. And that's that's what we want to do. We want to be able to stand by. You know, these these smaller groups and these smaller courts and these smaller states and these smaller jurisdictions um, that are that are getting harassed and getting bullied and 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 give them some legal defense that that isn't going to make them have to mortgage their house um, because they said the right thing to protect their daughter, their son or or their business um, or their religion. And um, that's that's what we're here for. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm concerned about anybody in the profession right now, though, because it seems like uh, you, you look at somebody like Alan Dershowitz, for example, he has been very vocal recently about how there's so many attacks on him. And there's a lot of attorneys that just aren't in a position to withstand that kind of thing. And once everything's done with the the big names, they're coming for those small fish that you're looking to protect. So I, I just I'm just concerned that once you've weaponized the uh, Justice Department and you try weaponizing the court system altogether, uh, you can't always count on people playing fair. And sure. that's why it's really important for you guys to stand up and do what you're doing. So, again, uh, one more quick question before we start wrapping up. Uh, you are the CEO there. I see that Buck is uh, listed as the chief patriot defender. What exactly does that entail? Because that sounds like a fun title to me. <laughs> So, so, so Buck is the chief patriot officer, right? Which, which means actually he, he does have all the fun, right? So, so Buck, Buck is the, the, the leader with us that looks at the, the, the things we provide, the, the coverages we provide. Again, whether it's, you know, you know, political discrimination, religious discrimination, representation of government, media, media misrepresentation. How do we, how do we look at these perils, right? That everyday Americans face and how do we add more? How do we, how do we, you know, add add additional coverages? How do we how do we actually stand arm to arm and protect those out there, right? Whether it's with using his voice um, or or the other conservative um, voices out there, how do we protect patriots? How do we give them what they need? He's like um, he's he's literally like the general out there, right? Um, figuring out the best way to to protect the troops, um, and we're the guys, we're the logistic officers over here, um, trying to figure out how to way to um, to, to commercially make that viable. Um, so so it, it's a fun dichotomy and it's a fun partnership, um, but he's on the front lines every day. He sees these stories. He sees the people in need. He hears their stories. 
Um, and then he filters that back to us and works with us to say, listen, we need to start focusing on this or we need to focus on this. Um, and, and that's that's part of the fun. So. So, yeah, no, he's uh, he's having a great time. Well, it certainly looks like between your proven track record and uh, his track record, uh, his past career before uh, becoming a talk show host, uh, that you guys have a fundamental understanding of what's required in order to actually protect fundamental liberties. Uh, you, you guys know how things work behind the scenes and you have a good idea of what to expect. So I'm glad that you guys are on our side first and foremost. Uh, before uh, we uh, wrap things up, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can go uh, so they can check out and decide for themselves uh, because if you're a regular listener to this show, guys, you're already on a list. I hate to tell you, I, I'm on the list. I probably should be going and signing up. Uh, I actually probably should have already. But, uh, yeah, where do they go to uh, to check out everything going over at Patriot Defender? And uh, if there's any other uh, websites that you would like to share as well, uh, if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share any handles and platforms that you would like to just based Basically, anything along those lines and any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, so so everybody can just go to PatriotDefender.com. Um, it's super easy to enroll. It's, it's, it's less than $10 a month. Uh, there's some great videos there and some FAQs and everything else. If you have any questions, we have a great customer service team that's happy to answer them for you. Um, we're, we're available for our members 24-7. Um, so, again, anything that's a First Amendment or a Second Amendment issue, um, we're here to help. We're here to stand with you and defend you guys. Um, and listen, I just I want I want I want conservative America to be able to stand up and, and be able to play on the same level that the radical left is. And, and this is going to give you that uh, that extra oomph, if you will, um, that extra protection, that extra peace of mind um, to, to speak your mind and live your life and, and, and go about what you're doing without without fear of being canceled. Yeah, that's certainly something we need more of. I, I thank goodness right now, Ross, that it looks like we do have a fair number of people that are starting to wake up to exactly how radical the left has been and how brazen they've become with it. But it does take courage to stand up and do it, and having somebody like you guys um, having their backs, that'll help go a long way to uh, the some of the concerns, especially of parents who have a lot of people counting on them besides just themselves. Uh, thank you so much again for uh, coming and talking to us. Uh, I appreciate it. Hopefully we can get back together sometime and uh, uh, talk about uh, how things are going at Patriot Defender after you guys have uh, – uh, went to court a few times and would love to talk about some great success because I have a, a sinking suspicion that that's exactly what's going to be going on. Godspeed to you, sir. Yep. You too. We're going to go and we're going to win. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ross C. Thompson. Again, he is co-founder and CEO of Patriot Defender. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast after the fact, I'll have a link in the show description that you'll be able to follow. But uh, in the meanwhile, if you're just listening live on one of the many platforms, be sure to check out PatriotDefender.com. I was perusing there earlier. They have individual plans. They have family plans. And uh, trust me, a lot of a lot of stuff that a lot of us probably should have already gotten. All right. Now, uh, we are quickly getting close to that mid-hour break time. But before we do that, uh, I need to talk to you about our friends over at Four Patriots. Yeah, they've got this really cool 
car kit that was just rated. They're, they're really proud about this, and, and they should be, so I'm trying to help them get the word out. Just rated the number one safety car kit by Field and Stream magazine. And Field and Stream, uh, if, if you are a fisherman from any point in the last few decades, you've heard of it. Uh, maybe you don't know exactly how far in-depth they go uh, in taking these little survival kit tests seriously, but they really do. And so that's just one more item that you can go check out when you visit our friends at 4 uh, And again, so much, so much stuff they've got going over there. I'm still a big fan of the survival food kits, the backup emergency electricity. Uh, they've got you covered there. A ton of just really cool and neat stuff to have. You can't go wrong with stuff at 4Patriots. You just can't. Uh, the only mistake you can make is not checking it out. Once you go there, you're probably going to want to at least get something. So visit them at 4Patriot.com and be sure to use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10% because in the age of Bidenomics, who can afford not to save money, right? Uh, Bidenomics is probably the primary reason you need to go to 4Patriots in the first place, but save yourself a little money while you can. So that's the number 4Patriots.com. Don't forget to use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. And we'll be right back. This is Ross Thompson with Patriot Defender. You're listening to Tim Tap on Tap Into the Truth. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. When a sovereign individual, a private sector organization, or even a legitimate government has a tried and true good idea, it doesn't have to be forced upon any adult in possession of reasonable intelligence. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. When we the people are inundated with government mandates and rumors of government mandates, which, by the way, are not laws, I am immediately reminded that if, for example, coronavirus jabs were good for us, we would only need to learn about the benefits and be free to partake or not partake. If law-abiding sovereign adults were safer without guns, they would not be bullied by government officials like the governor of New Mexico into not publicly carrying their weapons and would voluntarily dispose of all firearms. So it seems that the logical conclusion is for all well-intentioned individuals to understand that when officials seek to force you to do something against your will and common sense, perhaps it would behoove you to at best trust but verify or reject out of hand any effort of government or global organizations to force you to obey their mandates. The life you save and the unalienable rights you protect may be your own. Think, McFly, think! I'm... Ron Edwards.
these stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skoll. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Conquer. Repeat. Skull. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to mypillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's mypillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at MyPillow, thanks for Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control. 
is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Kalen Dorr with Tuck Browser, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tap In The Truth. When you do that, what you have to do is make sure that you visit FixSwollenFeet.com and take advantage of an offer that's only available to listeners to tap into the truth. Uh, they've been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, <clears throat> brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. I've given you this bill before. It's worked wonders for me. It's worth giving it a shot. Just visit FixSwollenFeet.com. Um, <laughs> That being said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show the president of the National Right to Work Committee, as well as the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Mix. Marks, first, thank you so much for joining us, especially on short notice. We had a guest drop out, and you very graciously swooped in and brought your expertise in. Uh, I was planning on trying to have you in next week, but as it works out, here you are, so thank you. Well, Tim, it's my pleasure. It's good to be on with you again. And it's not like there hasn't been any news since the last time we talked, but there happens to be a lot of news now. So let's talk. All right. Uh, yeah, right now we have something that uh, is unprecedented uh, by the United Auto Workers. They're, uh, it looks like they're going to just uh, full-blown uh, go on strike against the three major Detroit automakers. Uh, did you uh, kind of see this one coming? Well, we did see the strike coming, and there's a couple of reasons that lead up to that. But you're right. This is an historic event in the sense that they're, they've taken on all three companies at once. Historically, what they did was they would pick a target, and they would negotiate really hard with that target. And it was understood that once they got an agreement hammered out with one of the big three, the other two would come along. And so this is the first time in the history of the negotiations they've taken on all three, even though there's been, I think, what, 21, 22 words work stoppages over the last 28 years. It's not a surprise that they go out on strike, but how they're doing it this time is a little bit of a surprise. And frankly, you know, the UAW has got a lot to prove to their rank and file workers after what current continues to be federal oversight to a, a union that's been ripped apart through corruption of the top executives. And so we can talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah. Well, you know, I was one of the topics I was hoping to get to, but since you brought it up, let's start right there. Yeah, Tim, you know, the last, the past two presidents, Gary Jones and Dennis Williams, uh, they, they have a new president now, Sean Fain, and this gets into kind of the strike strategy. Uh, we'll, we'll mix them together and be professional about it. But Sean Fain has got a lot to prove because the last two international presidents, full-time national presidents, actually went to jail for what the federal government called extortion, racketeering, and frankly, just flat out stealing money from rank-and-file workers. And so the UAW members themselves brought a lawsuit against the UAW hierarchy trying to figure out what exactly happened and how they could fix it. And so for the first time in the union's history, they had what they call a democratic election where 
the rank and file got to vote for the new president. And Sean Fain won that election earlier this year. But he won that under really kind of questionable circumstances, Tim. There was literally more returned addresses for ballots that were mailed out than ballots that were cast for the presidency in the first round of this election. And the way they tabulated the votes and the way they counted the votes was something that was raised eyebrows, not only with the rank and file workers, but with others that were watching how this process was going to work. So for the next five years, they're going to be under federal oversight for their actions and the things that they're doing because of the corruption. So that leads to um, Sean Fain, you know, saying, don't worry if you elect me, we'll be transparent, we'll be accountable, They'll, we'll root out the corruption. And the fact of the matter is, is there's still rumors and evidence of some construction uh, corruption that's ongoing there. So it's a big moment for him, and it's a big moment for the leadership, and I use my finger quotes there, of the union as they try to prove the rank and, f- the rank and file that, you know, continue to pay their salaries and pay their dues money, that it's worth having, you know, these guys trying to negotiate. Because the last time they tried this with Chrysler, if you recall the way the corruption worked out is Chrysler was basically bribing the bargaining committee, some of the members of the bargaining committee, to basically sell out the workers. And unfortunately, the leadership did in in, in many cases. Yeah. Well, you know, what's surprising to me more than anything is it feels like a very perilous time for the auto industry for the workers to step out. Uh, is this a case where uh, Mr. Fain and the um, – Union itself, the leadership there, feels like they kind of have the industry over a barrel? Or is this just a case of mistiming where you've got a lot of unhappy uh, auto workers because the money hasn't been there to elevate uh, pay or to add additional benefits? And so now they feel like they've got to push this uh, in order to try to keep the constituents happy because it kind of sounds like it's a precarious position to be the president of the uh, UAW yeah. right now. Yeah, indeed, Tim, and that's a great point because, you know, when you think about what the Biden administration's done, and, and actually going back to the Obama administration back in 2009 when GM and then what was known as Chrysler, now known as Stellantis, went bankrupt, it was the taxpayers that bailed them out. And it was the federal government that basically bought up most of the assets and owned the stock in the company. And some of the stuff that was crammed down on the company was from the Obama administration because they wanted to prove that they could save the auto industry and, uh, you know, drop the mic, if you will, as Obama was prone to do on things that uh, he thought were great victories. So so they get through that. They negotiate a contract. And there's there's certain provisions that are wiped out by the Obama administration, those that were negotiating and basically said, like, cost of living increases were eliminated for uh, the for the UAW members. And of course, cost of living didn't mean anything. Cost of living increases didn't mean anything when inflation was at, you know, 0.89% or 1.2%. But then Joe Biden comes to town and all of a sudden the government spends like, uh, I, I don't want to offend sailors, but by like drunken sailors. And uh, the next thing you know, we have seven, eight, nine, ten percent inflation during a period, which is just what, quote, cooled down to what I think is what, seven percent um, when it was what? When Donald Trump left office, I was thinking it was point eight, nine. It was under one percent. And it went as high as what, seven or eight percent inflation. Unfortunately for the union, that 2019 contract they agreed to where they had a strike with a GM for 40 days basically didn't have those colas. And so Rank-and-file workers have been really harmed by this Biden administration inflation that's been created. And then to add insult to injury, the demand that they go to electric vehicles and force electric vehicles down the throats of American citizens and, and the UAW, for that matter, and the automobile builders. 
to the point where it takes, I think, what, 30% less parts in an in a electric vehicle and, and somewhere between 20 to 30% less labor to build an electric vehicle. So what that means for the future for the United Auto Workers Union is likely that there will be displacements of lots of rank and file workers as we as the Biden administration forces us to transition into the EV uh, world and eliminates the internal combustion engine. <clears throat> I know there's a long way between then and you know between now and then, but the idea that that the Biden administration and the hierarchy of the unions, which are giving political money to elect these politicians that are driving us toward this electric vehicle environment. Um, you know, is putting rank and file workers jobs in jeopardy. And that disconnect between union officials and rank and file workers is growing wider and wider all the time. Yeah. Well, it seems that the uh, current administration's uh, the position where they're that the gap between what they want from the automotive industry and the reality on the ground continues to grow wider uh, as well. Just this past week, we saw where the energy secretary uh, had a bit of a, uh, Kerbuffle when she was uh, taking her caravan of electric vehicles across, and they had to hold a, a place for her in one Walmart charging station to the point they had to call 911 to try to get them to move one of these uh, gas powered vehicles out of the way. Uh, both privilege and the reality that we don't have the infrastructure for electric vehicles yet smacked them in the face double time, but uh, it's it still. It boggles my mind when you see companies like Ford right now that has taken a major hit because they have voluntarily decided to go all in on the electric, and there's still just not the market for it, quite honestly. Uh, It does seem to be catching on a little more in some places. Uh, Tesla is probably still far and away having the edge there, but because Elon Musk is now on the naughty list for all the Democrats. They don't want anything to do with him. And so in return, we see a lot of auto workers that are dependent upon this uh, union, and it really feels like a terrible time to strike. Uh, These people, I, I don't understand why they think now's a good time. We just saw one of the oldest trucking uh, transportation lines in the country in yellow, based down here out of Tennessee, that finally have to declare bankruptcy because they couldn't reach a deal with the union. Uh, it feels like the unions uh, have been, in particularly here lately, driving more businesses out of business than really representing uh, their constituents. Uh, is there a point where they have to draw the line and say the company has to survive in order to maintain employment? Well, one would think that would be uh, what they would be thinking, Tim. But, you know, in the case of Sean, um, the the Teamster president, um, that guy basically did a jig on Yellow Freight Lines, the one you're talking about. And he he basically put out a meme or some kind of cartoon. I'm not a social uh, uh, social media person, but he put out a cartoon showing them a tombstone with Yellow's yellow's, uh, founding date and bankruptcy date. Um, and kind of laughed about the fact that 22,000 Teamsters were were basically thrown off a job because the union wouldn't negotiate over some changes they'd already approved on the West Coast as far as consolidating some freight houses and some of the responsibilities that drivers would take. The Teamsters said no, and they were more than willing to sacrifice those jobs of 22,000 Teamsters, 30,000 employees, 22,000 Teamsters, and say, you know, all right, we're okay with that. We just proved how tough we were. Um it really is. It really is interesting to watch Sean O'Brien, the Teamster president, and Sean Fain, the UAW president, 
basically exercised what is kind of this, you know, old school union tough mantra. Um, and sometimes, like in the case of Yellow, to your point, Tim, hurts the very people they claim to represent. And, you know, the policies and the political stands of these unions and the top union officials hurts workers. And that's why, you know, the right to work issue is such an important part of, of this policy dialogue, because giving workers the ability to hold union officials accountable for these actions, whether it be the corruption of the UAW or the, you know, the, the kind of the laughing at losing jobs that, that Sean O'Brien, you know, executed with the Teamsters and Yellow Freight. Uh, you know, you'd hope that workers could vote with their pocketbooks when they get leadership like that. And yet, unfortunately, still in 23 states across the country, workers can be fired, lose their jobs if they don't pay dues or fees to a union they, that they oftentimes didn't ask for, didn't want, and didn't vote for. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's always uh, been a, one of the reasons why I really appreciate uh, your work and the stuff that you guys do. Because that is ultimately the best way for a hard worker to uh, to be able to move forward in the system that we have. Uh, if you rely on collectivism, uh, you don't get to lift up uh, everyone else. The worst among your group drags all of you down. Uh, real quick, circling back around uh, to the United Auto Workers uh, strike here. Uh, this is different in so much as they're striking against all three. Previously, the idea, as you already mentioned, is you would target one and then you would use whatever your final agreement was as kind of a bludgeoning tool against the other saying, look, they've already agreed to this. We know that you can do this or even better. But if you'll do this, match what they did, whatever. And it usually has worked pretty well. How do you see this working out, and what do you think the primary strategy is, other than maybe, again, just trying to look like a tough guy? Well, I think that's a big part of it, and I think the second part of it um, is that's an interesting question to see what the strategy is. Right now, they've only got three units, one for GM, one for Stellantis, and one for Ford that have walked off on the picket line. That's interesting, Tim, because those workers that have, have, have been decided that where the union decided they would walk out, they're now getting strike pay, which is about a third of what they would be making if they were working regular jobs like the people, the rest of the of the UAW workers, the 130,000 other ones that are working full time and doing their job and getting their full time paycheck. So I think at some point those workers at the plant in Missouri and the one in Ohio and the one in Michigan are saying, hey, wait a minute now, uh, we need to go back to work and you need to send somebody else on the, out on the picket line. I don't think, and it would be very surprising if it manifests itself into an entire walkout by everybody, all 146,000 uh, allegedly wo represented workers by the UAW, because you know the union has a strike fund. I think the strike benefits weekly are about $500, and that's about a third of what they make on average in a week um, as a regular employee working on the job. They've got a, a strike fund of about $825 million, which basically, if everybody went on strike, their their weekly nut on strike payments would be about $70 million. So, you know, they can hold off for a little bit, but uh, I think the workers get kind of, uh, you know, unruly a little bit if they stay out for more than a couple of weeks and see that paycheck go away and realize that making it up in whatever contract they end up with probably doesn't make them whole for the time they lost and the pay they lost while they were out on strike if it goes on for too much longer. Yeah, and right now with the economy, uh, the uh, inflation uh, 
piping back up uh, this last uh, month. Uh, not a good time to be making less pay. I don't care who you are or where you're at or what you're earning. Uh, Mark, as always, I appreciate you uh, being here. Uh, let everybody know where they can find uh, the uh, National Right to Work uh, activities, uh, whether we're talking about the committee or the Legal Defense uh, Foundation, <clears throat> and uh, share the websites and uh, any final thoughts you'd like to close with as well. All right. Well, Tim, thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. It's good to, to talk with you again, and hopefully we'll have uh, better conversations and better topics in the future, but we'll just uh, continue to work through this. They can find information about their legal rights. That is our Legal Defense Foundation, where we have 20 staff lawyers that do nothing but represent employees if their rights have been violated by forced unionism. And that web address is www nrtw.org www.nrtw.org they want to find out about legislation whether it be in congress or in their state legislature that would have an impact on their work or their career um, they can find that information at the committee's website which is nrtwc.org nrtwc.org all right as always i do appreciate your time it's always a great conversation even if the topics aren't always the most fun to talk about <laughs> i love the yeah. fact that number one you are front line in the battle and you're standing up for what the union bosses claim to be you're looking out yeah. for the folks and beyond that uh you're so knowledgeable about everything and it always feels like both informative and a fun conversation at the same time. So you have, you have that special knack to make what other people would sound like Ben Stein uh, doing his worst uh, uh, Ferris Bueller Day Off rendition uh, come across as exciting. So I appreciate that as well. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, Godspeed to you, sir, and I do look forward to our next get-together. Amen, and thank you. It's a privilege. Thanks. All right, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Mark Mix. And again, uh, I mean everything that I say there. Uh, if you guys have been longtime listeners, you've heard uh, Mark on here before, and you've probably had opportunities to hear Mark speak in other locations as well and other platforms. Uh, this really does feel like a very bad time. Uh, if you pay attention at all to where the automotive market is, if you look at where energy costs are going, where the push for the EV markets have been, where the uh, push down from the current administration, and at the same time they're trying to cut off our ability to get more energy. It's such a strange time to go on strike in the automotive industry. And now I've been saying for a while now that most unions, if not all, tend to be counterproductive to just about every positive aspect of our economy, uh, and that's been the case now for a while. There was a time when unions uh, were probably necessary and certainly provided a good, but were probably necessary. That time has long since passed, and there may still be one or two smaller unions out there that are doing some good for their constituents, but – it's been a while since I've seen a bigger one do anything good for its actual rank-and-file members. It's been a lot longer than that since I've seen any of the Democrats that keep taking all of their money do anything good for them. But uh, here we are. I, we literally have a, a situation where they've decided to select just a few members of the union – 
to go on strike in just various locations. So like Mark was pointing out, that will create some dissension among the ranks. And to me, that almost feels like an effort to get folks to quit. It's like, here, um, you get to go on strike, but uh, the rest of the crew and all the other people that you've been working with, they're going to get to come on in. They're going to be doing fine. They're going to be making whatever, and we're going to use that as a negotiating chip. Whereas if I'm management at Ford, right now I'm trying to figure out how we're going to recoup our losses on the EVs we've been pushing, trying to recoup uh, the sudden hit that our stock has taken so our – capitalization is down and now you want to try and strong arm me for more benefits when we're trying to figure out how we're going to get folks paid as it is doesn't seem like a good time and it certainly seems like a good opportunity to find fewer openings again uh, we did mention the teamsters bit and uh, yellow freight line it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of concern from union leadership as far as the companies that they're negotiating with or the actual people they're supposed to be negotiating on behalf of. <coughs> Excuse me, it's, I didn't mean to cough. Now, GM uh, and then uh, Stratelis, these others, they've been struggling even more because – at least Ford has been quasi-successful at marketing their EVs. The GM EVs, they still have a history of overcharging and catching on fire. That's the best ones that they have. If you want an EV, you're probably needing to look at Tesla. But like I said, uh, Elon's on the naughty list uh, right now for the leftists, so uh, can't do that even though he's the only one that's really been leading the way towards doing what you guys claim that you want. Now, in my mind, if you're concerned about the environment, EV is not the way to go. It destroys the environment more to put one of those cars together and to keep the batteries going than it does to just build <coughs> and, and to – yeah, Doug's laughing at me because I can't I keep my voice going uh, – than it does to keep a gas-powered car going. Let's reset the hour, guys. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network.
This is Eric Buer, and you're listening to Tim Tap at Tap Into the Truth. How about that? Uh, yeah, evidently, I, I had a bit of a coughing fit a minute ago. I'd hit the mute button. I had not unmuted myself. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, welcome to hour number two as we dive headlong into the weekend. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate you being here. The man you just heard, Eric Buer, uh, retired United States Marine Corps colonel. He'll be joining us here in just a moment. But before we... Uh, get together. I want to take a moment again to remind you about our friends over at Four Patriots. If you need survival food kits, why would you go anywhere else? Not only do they have the valuable calories that make the difference between surviving and not, they got great tasting stuff and they've got such a wide variety of things. You don't have to worry about burning out on a particular food item in the event that you have to, you know, rely on them for a little while. Not saying that that's definitely a thing that's going to happen, but between natural disasters, storms, and just simple binomics, maybe you just can't afford to go to the grocery store, it'd be good to have some survival food kits on standby just in case. Best way to do that is to go visit our friends over at 4 Once you're there, check out everything they've got to offer, including the survival food kits, if you decide to make a purchase. Once you start putting things into that uh, little basket of theirs, uh, be sure to use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10% on your total order. Works on everything in the store. So again, that's 4Patriots.com. The number four, uh, not don't spell out four, it is the number four, patriots.com. Don't forget to use promo code T-A-P-P. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. First time guest, uh, retired Colonel Eric Buer. Uh, Colonel, first, thank you so much for uh, joining this evening. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on board with us. Uh, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. Uh, for having me, it's... Uh... It's a great Friday afternoon or evening there, Ryan, in, in lovely Pensacola. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great way to kick off the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, just in case somebody's not too familiar with your service record, sir, uh, just so that they know that you know from which you speak, would you care to give your resume as far as from entrance into the Marine Corps uh, up until the point that you retired, uh, what your travel path was, and how you became a Marine aviator? Yeah, so my bio um, is uh, – only my mother's impressed by my bio, by the way. Um, it's a rather pedestrian, uh, you know, entry. Um, you know, standard 19-year-old college kid looking for adventure, um, looking for uh, my next thing. I, and I, you know, I, I, I figured that out probably as a sophomore in college, and I, I talked to one of those silver-tongued devils called Marine Corps recruiters, and uh, – and they said, "Hey, it's the Marine Corps. You know, I was all these. You know, I was a sports guy, an athlete through through college. And they're like, hey, it's great team sport environment, great people, great camaraderie, um, and we fly. And there, you can do a lot of things. And so, you know, I took them up on that. I took them up on that offer, uh, only thinking it would last for a couple of years. Um, 
And uh, I, I got through flight training, and uh, I was uh, flying attack helicopters, which were amazing to fly. And the Marines around those communities are amazing. And uh, you know, I planned to get out pretty quickly as a as a young captain. And then, you know, it was it was fun. It was just too much fun. I, I just didn't want to give it up. It's very selfishly. And uh, and you know, of course, my wife said, "Hey, that's fine. We're we're, we're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing." Uh, and so time flew by. And so, you know, next thing you know, I'm um I'm, I'm spending a career flight attack helicopters and uh and never never looked back and never never regretted a minute of it. Yeah. Well, you know, the old adage that if you love what you're doing, you never work a day of your life, uh, That there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, you weren't just doing what you loved. You were also serving the country. So, again, thank you for your service. During that time frame, you saw several uh, presidential administrations come and go. Uh, you were actually serving uh, pre-9-11. Uh, how many different administrations did you serve under? Uh, and then we'll kind of ease into the political side of the conversation. Sure. You know, um, number one, you're asking to do, uh, you're asking a Marine to do math in public, which is never good. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, so I, I got commissioned out of college in 1988. So, uh, there was the end of the Reagan administration. Um, we saw the early, uh, set on of, uh, George Bush. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you can do the math from there. We went to Clinton's of course, and then jumped back to the bushes and, um, you know, you know, as a young guy, it doesn't really matter to you. You know, I swore an oath to the Constitution, to an ideal, uh, certainly not to a president or uh, to a king or anything in particular. It's just it's a, it's a, it's an oath to an ideal. And so commander in chiefs are important. Uh, but when you're a you know, you're a captain major, you're out there deploying, you don't really care. You just care about the Marines that are with you, Marines and sailors, in my case, that are with you and taking care of them and, and doing your job. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you would expect, and that's because the military is supposed to be exactly that. Uh, you're a team. You have a single focus. You focus on the mission, and you have each other's backs, and you try to make sure that everybody comes back. You actually got to fly in some uh, situations that probably would make a lot of uh, us non-military folks uh, well, uh, do things in our pants that we wouldn't talk about in public. Uh, you, you saw a lot of uh, things, but my concern now is we have seen this move where it really feels like the military is being used more for social engineering and as an experiment as opposed for the traditional military operatives. And, and as a retired officer, uh, would you say that you – got to see a lot of that movement and would you say that uh, you are concerned about that issue now more than uh, when you were active duty so it's interesting um you know i think without getting you know too uh philosophical i think every generation uh believes they're the last flag bearing generation or standard bearers um and I don't necessarily feel that way. I mean, right now I do feel concerned for a lot of things because uh, politically the world's – I mean the world in, in particular. But this nation has become so divisive, so divided over, um, you know, a lot of – you know, a lot of nonsense in my mind. And we have we have so much in common and we have such a shared history and such an amazing shared history that we focus on these outliers um, as a way uh, to be very divisive, and so that that always bothers me. 
I remember Harry Truman, you know, called the Marine Corps, you know, they, they called it the Navy's police force. He says, as long as I'm president, you know, that's what it remained. You know, they have a, a propaganda machine that's almost equal to Stalin's. You know, so I think about being a Marine, I, I think about that's a pretty bold statement for a, uh, you know, for a uh, for a president to say about the Marine Corps. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, your, your the social experimentation stuff does really alarm me. It's 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 very frustrating. I was just speaking earlier about the Navy and they're recruiting young petty officer third class who's a drag queen, and you know, it's I don't know who their I don't know who their target audience is. I don't know who convinced them that, that would be their target audience. Um, it's, uh, it, it, they're not, it won't be, um, you know, we, we need to continue to, to, uh, find ways to explain to this next generation that, a that a, not necessarily a career in service, but service to your nation is an incredibly noble and, and, and it's really, really important. And we need them. We, we need their talents. We need their brain power. We need their, you know, their intellect. Um, that's how we'll continue to you know, grow the next generation and the, and the generation beyond them. So um, it's kind of my, my, my feelings. Right. Well, you know, I, my primary concern here is it almost feels like, forget the social engineering aspect, it feels like this, at least this current administration, and, and maybe a little bit the previous one as well, but it, it does kind of feel like there's more of a concern about uh, checking boxes than there is about uh, being merit-based. Uh, and when it comes to certain things, that can cost lives, especially when it comes to uh, uh, being an aviator. When you're a military flight aviator, which is, of course, your background, uh, being qualified to do that it should be the first primary concern. Uh, it really kind of feels like maybe... Uh, that has also been lost in that area too, because it, it seems like we're seeing more crashes here recently. Uh, military training exercises, folks in various locations. I remember uh, every couple of years or so, you might hear about one incident, one accident, somebody messed up. But it seems like we've been having one after another. Uh, is there anything alarming to you about that as far as? Obviously, you don't want people crashing. Uh, lives are on the line unnecessarily. But uh, is there some concern that, that you see? Uh, are we not spending enough uh, budget-wise to keep the equipment proper? Are we not training the folks correctly? Is there that movement away from merit? Or do you think it's just an incredible string of bad luck? Yeah, Tim, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I'll press E, all of the above. You know, it's um, – <laughs> You know, aviation is very complex. It's it's so complex. There's so many variables. You know, I looked at I've looked at our recent mishaps. Um, you know, the Marine Corps lost an F-18 Delta recently. It killed uh, an incredibly talented aviator. Um, you know, he's a he's the executive officer of the squadron. He's the number two guy in the squadron. Um, and you know, I was I was not in that cockpit. I would never second guess the pilot's decisions because that is theirs alone to make. But that's those are old airframes, right? In the in the Marine Corps in particular, all the services are, are recapitalizing right now. We have to continue to recapitalize. I mean, we rode those we rode those platforms so hard for the last twenty five years, and that's the aircraft he was flying is thirty five years old. You know, it's like a professional athlete. Um, you know, it, you hit thirty five, you got to be you know got to think about retirement. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, you've you've really stressed those airframes out. Um, 
You know, the other one, of course, we we had the Marine Corps had an Osprey that went down in Australia tragically. You know, killed you know killed both the pilots, killed killed the crew chief, and and thank God we had you know multiple survivors, about twenty or so survivors, and and the you know of course there'll be an investigation of that. Um, you know, you never. I'm not in the cockpit. I never. So I think those are completely separate, completely separate uh, discussions. And I think the last one we saw recently was an, an Air Force uh, Huey went down. You know, it's a 50 year old platform, and the Air Force is in, is in the process right now of replacing those aircraft. It's a 50 year old aircraft, and then you you have damage and just overuse um, to those those platforms that you you can't really always inspect for or replace parts for. Um, and again, I don't know the details of that, and they'll come out in time. But as for training, you know, I, I you know, I think the Air Force uh, and the Navy, and the Army, you know, and the Navy of course covers Marine aviators, covers Coast Guard aviators, and some of our international partners. I mean, they do their best. I mean, it, it, if you if you spend some time talking uh, to the to the admiral at at, at, uh, at the, who runs Navy train or the two star who runs Air Force train. Um, they are incredibly committed. They are about quality every day. They are about trying to find ways to improve their levels of training. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think they care. They clearly care about their mission. Um, we just have to care about it. You know, they have to be funded to levels that are that are required. That's a, that's a, that's the job for Congress. Um, they have to fund the military, and so they hold the purse strings. Um, and so. You know, sometimes it, it gets it gets so divisive, and they, you know, everything's everything's trade space, right? So we want a new aircraft, but we want to hang thirty five riders on a bill that include God knows what. Um, so, you know, that's that's a couple of my thoughts on there. So, yeah, it is a shame that uh, the military constantly gets caught up with political concerns when uh, no branch should be politically motivated, and yet. Uh, it, it really does seem like, at least for the last five administrations, maybe longer, uh, a lot of those flag officer uh, uh, promotions have ended up being a result of, do you agree with me politically, as opposed to, are you the best leader of uh, men and women in this situation? And that, of course, I don't expect you to uh, to respond to that one. I don't want to put you in a position where you have to say anything you don't want to, but uh, at the same time, uh, as an outside observer, it certainly looks that way, feels that way, and I, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, now, yeah. besides having uh, retired from uh, active duty as a colonel in the United States Marine Corps, you've also written – a really good book, uh, Ghost of Baghdad, uh, Marine Corps Gunship on the Opening Days of the Iraq War is the full title. Uh, of course, most folks just call it the Ghost of Baghdad. Uh, what was it that made you decide that this was a story that you had to tell and that now was the time to tell it? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. Um, so it's been in my mind. Um, it, it's certainly been on, it, it's been a priority for me, just kind of in my head. Um, uh, the, the, the first deployment to Iraq was so uh, impactful for so many people, and of course, I went back and did multiple additional tours there, flying. And but the first one, um, I, I, I thought I thought about it, and I, I talked to some good old friends, and and I posed them some questions, and you know, they opened up and they started talking to me. I just listened and. And the more people I, I found and I talked to, uh, the more they opened up and the more they talked. And I, 
I just realized I owed it to all of them. I owed it to all of us collectively uh, to tell their story, to tell our story. Um, it's a story of your neighbor and your, your neighbor's son or daughter or their uncle or their father or their aunt, whoever it's going um, uh, to be. To tell the story as honestly as I possibly can. And, you know, I, I think the book lets you hop into a attack helicopter and it lets you close the door and go for a ride. And, and, and we're not, none of us are, we're just like you. We're like everybody else. And, uh, we have the same levels of, uh, anxiety and frustrations. And, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no Mavericks here. We're just a bunch of, you know, average guys trying to do above average work. Um, so I was, you know, once I dug into it and, uh, once I started writing it, the book really wrote itself and, uh, it, it, it told our story. And so I was I was really proud to be able to do that, and the uh, the feedback I've gotten has been you know just tremendous. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Was uh, during the point of having these conversations, did was there anything that still kind of stood out to you that kind of surprised you that maybe wasn't your experience that somebody else had had uh, anything like that without. Uh, spoiling the book because obviously we still want people to go pick up a copy if they haven't yet but uh anything that really just left you there's, saying there's, wow yeah there's there's well it's there's um there's several situations that um you know i reached out to an old uh an old he's not old he's a young man i reached out to a former flight instructor of mine and uh you know and he was a squadron commander at the time and uh, we were north. Uh, we had gone north, just south of Baghdad, and we were supporting Marines and uh, very, very, very active fighting, very act, very kinetic for us. Um, and we had uh, landed to pick up some extra fuel in, in, in Ordnance, and we were mortared, and we had a Marine wounded. And this former flight instructor of mine, who was at the time now was a squadron commander, was, you know, the air group commander said, "Hey, um, hey, Bob." Um, I know you're the last guys. I know you've already flown 12 or 14 hours today, but you're going to go north 100 miles alone. You need to pick up this Marine, and I'll see you when you get back. And so I talked, and I knew it had happened, and I, and I, you know, I knew it had happened because I was there. Uh, I watched them come in and land. We talked on the radio. Um, it was just great hearing the voice of old friends. But when I interviewed him and talked to him, he it was the single most impactful event of his entire flying career. Um, unrecognized, just a typical Marine head down doing his job at, you know, at, at one o'clock in the morning, picking up a wounded Marine in the middle of nowhere, Iraq and flying him back. And he survived. So, so it's, it's those insights that I get. And it's, it's after I have people call me or, or people reach out to me and they, they email me, they get on my website and they, they reach out to me. And I, I talk to everybody, uh, even from different services, and they're they're emotional about it. They're like, "Hey, th- this happened to me, and what you just said happened to me, and it happened to us, and um, and you brought me back to a place where I could, you know, kind of, I wasn't alone. Like, you know, when you know when when you lost, you know, I, I had a couple of mishaps out there, not 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 total crashes, but near death crashes experience. It was just my own <laughs> bad flying, and uh, and they were like, "This this happened to me," and I'm. I just I'm I'm so glad you shared it and and it and it made me feel like I could connect with you and in, in, in this story and uh, it made me feel like I wasn't alone and so for that I'm 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 grateful and I'm grateful that I could help particularly veterans uh, and their families and people who just love aviation to know that um, this isn't Top Gun this is this is this is regular guys 
uh, doing the best they can under some pretty trying circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of folks have a misconception about what the uh, what the Iraq War actually kind of looked like, uh, just because from back here we saw some footage. It looked like it was easy. Looked like everybody was just surrendering, and this idea of uh, active kinetic fighting. Uh, there's a, a big disconnect from the average American uh, in the public uh, as opposed to the folks that were actually there. And I, and I think that's the part that impresses me the most. That, uh, you know, you're helping to bring a light to this, a, a general misconception, although people should know better. Uh, of course, you know, if I had a dime for every time I heard somebody say something that they should know better than, uh, we both could have retired a lot earlier. Uh uh, sir, I, I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, please let everybody know where they can find the book. Uh, let ev everybody know where your website is. If you invite people to follow you anywhere on social media, feel free to share your handles and those platforms. And any final thoughts you'd like to share, uh, go ahead and do all that right now. Well, thanks, Tim. Um, you can order Ghost of Baghdad anywhere. Uh, Google, and you can just as you as you Google, you'll find it on certainly on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. You'll find it on my, my website, ericbuer.com. Uh, you'll find it there. You can follow me certainly on, on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me uh, anywhere on your standard social media pieces. Um, and I just want to say, number one, thank you. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your listeners. Um, I know we're all a little bit concerned right now. Um, just snap us back into to modern day about our country, and I, I worry about it, and I you know, I'm 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 praying that we're gonna ha we're gonna have a, you know, a, you know we're gonna ha we're gonna have leadership in the future that represents all of us, uh, and that can do that in a very mature and rational way uh, to bond the country, you know, bond the country, and not not always focus on uh, these fringe players who, you know, want to find a way to divide us, um, to simply, uh, you know, to simply uh, increase their political value or or make you know keep themselves somewhere elected in a, in, a, in a position. So thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. I appreciate your listeners. And uh, anyone has any questions, call me, text me, email me. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. All right. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time this evening. I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your service. And uh, uh, please send those same feelings to uh, all of uh, the folks that you interact with on a regular basis who also served. Uh, there are still many of us that are part of a grateful nation, uh, even though you may not necessarily be getting to hear that as much as you should. Uh, obviously, uh, I have the same hopes. It would be great if we could get some leadership that was more about uh, uniting than playing a team sport, which uh, it feels like uh, we're too far down that road. But the bottom line is it only takes a small percentage to start us back on that right path so godspeed to you sir and colonel I, I hope we get a chance to talk again sometime and uh hopefully we can talk about some uh positive uh, changes that have uh, come along the way thank you so much thank you tim uh again thank you uh thank you and all your listeners and have a great night yes sir all right ladies and gentlemen that was retired United States Marine Corps Colonel Eric Buer. And, uh, you know, he makes very good points about where's leadership going to take us. How do we uh, avoid being uh, so divided? Uh, I, I can't always claim that I'm helping on that path because I, I'm real quick to take a few cheap shots here and there at the other side. But come on, they got it coming, right? 
Ultimately, though, if we're going to drag ourselves out of here, we're going to have to do it together. Uh, we've got to at least reach some of them. And not all the folks that are just a little to the left are all that bad. Some of them are just victims of a uh, media uh, system that's been set up to mislead them. So it's eh, kind of like our job to help correct that. All right, before we take the mid-hour break, do want to take a moment to remind you about our friends at Vanish Holster. When it comes to uh, having a comfortable holster, that can go a long way towards you actually continuing to carry. Uh, so don't take my word for it. Take the word of thousands of their customers that they've got the most comfortable holster, period. Plus, in the age of Bidenomics, saving money is a must. Uh, the Vanish Holster is designed to save you money by virtue of working with almost every semi-automatic handgun out there. So you don't have to have a separate holster for all your different firearms. It, it works great. It's also designed to work without a tactical belt. You can carry in multiple positions so you find one that's comfortable enough for you. And the big thing that they're concerned about right now is they've been holding back the line of almost too long. So due to inflation, there's likely to be price increases, and that's why you need to act now. Go visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P while your dollar still has some buying power. It means you're not going to have to spend quite as much to get one. Plus, if you use the backslash T-A-P-P, you get to activate a $40 discount automatically just by virtue of having used it. Why would you not do that? Again, uh, dollars, uh, make them go as far as they can. We all need to do it. That's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go check it out right now. Uh, place your order at Vanish Holsters. You'll have it on its way to you before we're done with this upcoming break. In the meanwhile, don't go anywhere except uh, on the web. Uh, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Todd McNutt, author and host of Other People's Secrets and founder of representingme.com. You're listening to Tim Tap. Tap into the truth. When certain polls are proudly announced by leading media yakking heads, there is more than meets the normal eye test. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Everest Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. We often hear pollsters proclaiming they have concluded that so-called a majority of Americans either believe, think, or what they do. For example, a poll of a few thousand sovereign citizens will be utilized to determine that fewer Americans believe in God or go to church or synagogue, while another poll will supposedly show that fewer American men are going to college or getting married. But I believe that beyond just letting us know what some people believe, do, say, or think, whether intentioned or not, polls are also indicators of how well many Americans have been either indoctrinated in government schools or bamboozled by horrendous Hollywood movies or misled in leftist churches and synagogues, where truth is as scarce as healthy food in your typical grocery store. 
The polls also serve as a warning for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me 3 p.m. weekdays to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at my pillow you're listening to tap into the truth this is matt Fitzgibbons. this is amy hallam this is az All right.
right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate it. I'm humbled that you give up part of your weekend to spend it here with me. Thank you so much. Uh, we're about to be joined by our final guest of the evening, but before we do that, I do have to remind you that the medical profession has unfortunately come down with the woke infection as well. So you're going to have to take your health into your own hands. That means eating right, exercising, resting well, and if you're going to take a supplement, make sure it's an effective supplement. If you're worried about your heart, your memory, or swollen, achy joints, then our friends over at Native Path have a tremendous Antarctic Krill oil supplement that really could help put an end to issues with all of those. It's been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain, and it's worked wonders for me in that count. No better time to try it for yourself. Just go to FixSwollenFeet.com, and you can take advantage of an offer that is extended just to listeners to tap into the truth. This krill oil is pure. It's effective. It's easily absorbed by the body, and it contains that omega-3 fatty acid that really works to help reduce inflammation and swelling throughout the body. So just go visit FixSwollenFeet.com. Funny-sounding website, serious product goes a long way towards helping. Uh, Trust me, I I do not hesitate to use the phrase miracle with how well it's worked for me with my ankles and my knees. Uh, If we were to end our relationship as a sponsor tomorrow, I'm still going to be using the product. It's worked that well. All right, so now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct honor to welcome another first-time guest today. Uh, He's the founder and executive director of Incubate Debate, which is the largest and only no-cost debate league in the state of Florida. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. James Fishback. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. Good evening. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, you know, uh, obviously, when it comes to debate, it is the debate season. Uh, everybody likes to uh, really uh, throw in their two cents worth with what we see when it comes to presidential debates. And, you know, the focus that you've had through Incubate Debate has been an effort to try and recreate the virtue and value of free exchange and free speech without uh, an an effort to cancel somebody, which is a lot of uh, what we see uh, in a lot of different places now. Uh, People are almost afraid to speak up. So uh, your big effort initially has been to try and reinstill the value of free speech so that you can have those exchange of ideas. How's that going for you so far? So far, so good. It hasn't been easy, in large part because the high school debate scene that I was a part of 15 years ago as a student, and I was a part of five or six years ago as a coach, has been totally hijacked by the radical left. And I wrote about this in the Free Press in an article entitled, At High School Debate, Debate is No Longer Allowed. Let me just give you one example of how they've hijacked this once cherished activity. There's a judge, many of them, who say that if a student is discussing the border and they merely utter the word illegal immigrant, that student will forfeit the round and automatically lose because they're, quote, making the debate space unsafe, a word that is not only ubiquitous in our politics and media, but is accurate, especially just yesterday we learned that 9,700 illegal migrants crossed the border 
and they're being spread all over the country. So the fact that a young American could not speak truth, we're going to tap into the truth here on your show, could not speak truth about the crisis at the southern border, they would be automatically disqualified by a judge, is what drove me to start Incubate Debate to be a platform where students from all walks of life, all political persuasions could come together and celebrate with open debate. Well, it's certainly a worthwhile thing, but yeah, it's much like a conversation I had earlier today with a different guest uh, uh, when it comes to having to defend people who are simply exercising their First and Second Amendment rights. Uh, It's a shame that we have now moved to a point in time that requires an organization like Incubate Debate. It used to be that that was what was most cherished, and in academic settings in particular, they wanted you to, to have to feel the the harshness of the reality so that you could uh, be able to pivot so you could continue to make your argument or if you can't continue to make your argument in the face of that reality maybe start changing your own uh, thinking on the matter uh, that's how we're supposed to grow and learn and that's just not allowed and that's really what you're fighting back against right that's exactly right that that's exactly exactly right and high school debate has been a breeding ground for the leaders of this country. A third of the Congress either did high school or college debate. Four out of the nine Supreme Court justices did either high school or college debate. Countless business leaders and military leaders participated in this cherished extracurricular. It's a tradition. And so when a judge, as I open up my first article for the free press, when a judge tells students that that she is, quote, a self-avowed Marxist-Leninist Maoist, and because of this, she can no longer vote for arguments that are pro-Israel, pro-America, or pro-capitalism, we've got a problem. That individual does not belong at a high school debate tournament. These kids, I know because I was one of them, I know because I coached them for three years, they worked their butts off with their family in tow to get ready for these tournaments. And to have a a self-avowed radical Marxist tell students that if you defend Israel's right to defend itself, you will automatically lose. That's why Incubate Debate exists. And I'm proud to say that we are the largest debate league in Florida today. We're expanding to South Carolina next month. And our hope is that we can take this model for open debate and free speech nationally so students can compete in debates and not be judged on their ability to conform to a judge's opinion, but be judged on the merit of their argument and that argument alone. Uh, Let me ask you this, because everything that you're talking about right now is really about free speech, free expression, freedom of thought, the, the right to think. Are you yourself a conservative? Because there was a time not that long ago that that wasn't the general consensus for conservative ideology. It has become that. But uh, are you yourself a conservative or are you just uh, fighting for free expression? I'm an unapologetic conservative. I have been so for since the day I was a kid. And I'll tell you, it was debate. I didn't have many views in high school debate that were changed, right? I think a lot of people come into high school debate and they find religion. They find that the the socialism they espouse is suddenly, you know, they, they see the light because they actually have to defend socialism and it's largely indefensible. And so I'll tell you, for me, high school debate is where my convictions actually grew. 
I've always been pro-life, grew up in a proud Catholic household. But when I had to go up there and debate the issue of life, my convictions deepened on this issue. You know, I think about one statistic in particular that I often cited in my debates, which is ironically from a pro-choice institute, but it's true. And that is that three out of four women who get an abortion cite financial reasons for doing so. The idea that the Democrat Party would take a young woman who is in a vulnerable financial state, who might not have the money for diapers, or heaven forbid, may not be able to find baby formula, that she would then have to turn or be forced to turn to terminating her pregnancy and killing her child as a result of that. So I remember those debates really vividly, Tim. And I'm an unapologetic conservative in large part because I had to defend those ideas and had to stand up for what I believe to be true. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the primary uh, purpose for debate. It, it really helps to solidify uh, your actual thinking about it because you have to think about it in order to defend it. You have to become uh, passionate about it in order to truly debate. Uh, you can exchange ideas without being disrespectful. You can exchange ideas without leaving anything off bounds. You can say the uncomfortable things when it's okay to say uncomfortable things with the understanding that just because something's uncomfortable, just because something might actually be genuinely offensive, still doesn't make it any less true. Uh, you mentioned illegal alien earlier. When you're talking about an actual legal term that is still on the books, has not been changed despite the best efforts of uh, a bunch of left-leaning uh, folks, it still comes back around to the fact that uh, – if you're only going to go based on feelings, even your feelings should be based on something uh, other than just emotional arguments. Uh, and that kind of brings me to my next question. Uh, I mentioned at the top that uh, we have uh, presidential debate season going on, and uh, you kind of have an interesting take on this. So I wanted to ask you, uh, at this point, is there any real value brought to having uh, mediators that are actually going to ask yeah. questions? Should we actually do away with mediators and maybe even the audiences altogether so that nobody yeah. can ride that emotional wave and actually still just have to stick to the uh, points of their, uh, their arguments? That's a, it's a great question. And on the moderator point, absolutely get rid of them. Just get rid of them. And so this is not even a hypothetical argument. We've seen time and again how the moderators in both the primary and the presidential debates have essentially tried to operate as a candidate on stage and put their thumb on the scale. We don't need to look as far back, and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Senator Romney. I wish him well in retirement. But we don't have to look that far back to 2012 when he was debating then-President Obama, and he was fact-checked by Candy Crowley. In the middle of the debate, fact-checked, by the way, on something that ended up, that she said was true, that ended up being false. Look back to the 2020 debates when Chris Wallace, when Chris Wallace was debating with President Trump on the stage, when President Trump said there was going to be a vaccine by the end of 2020. Now, I'm not, the, I'm not a fan of the vaccine by any way, shape, or form, but when President Trump said there was going to be a vaccine by the end of 2020... Chris Wallace said, no, there isn't, no, there isn't, no, there isn't. If Chris Wallace wants to run for president and be on that stage, he can then refute the president of the United States. But this idea that the moderators can be impartial 
has been disproven time and again. And I, I'm especially worried about how moderators have their thumb on the scale and they're out for conservatives. So my thinking is this. Let's go back to the radical debates, right? There, there's no new solutions. We just have to look to the past. 1858, Stephen Douglas, Abraham Lincoln, three-hour debates, no moderator. Let them each have 30 to 60 minutes of opening statements to make their arguments. The other side gets a rebuttal. That is what worked in the 1850s. It worked then. It can work now. These moderators, they're just not impartial. And so I fear that whatever Republican goes up there as the nominee, um, they're going to essentially have the game rigged against them at the debates. So right here, right now, let's just get rid of these moderators. Let's set up a format that allows the candidates to make their own arguments and to respond to the arguments of the other of their colleagues. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say, I can't agree with you more. Uh, it has become clear that the moder moderators feel like they have to have their moment in the sun, too. It's not enough for the candidates right. to have that one shining moment. They need that moment, too. And it's it's shameful. But uh, that's part of what happens when news organizations uh, decide that they're also the entertainment division as well. Uh, what right. about uh, the actual audiences, though? Because, I mean, we've seen an audience affect how certain candidates yeah. manage to continue forward. Uh, is that a thing that we should probably look to move away from as long as we're doing televised or radio uh, debates? Well, that one's a little bit more complicated, Tim. And the answer is it depends with respect to the audience. I was fortunate enough to be at that debate in Milwaukee last month. And I got to tell you, I looked around and I saw a lot of finely dressed men and women with some very nicely polished shoes and country club style uh, affectation. Those are not the men and women of the Republican Party and of this conservative movement. And so my problem is, is that the way that the people who are invited to these debates work is that the campaigns get a set amount of tickets. The RNC gets a set amount of tickets. And those go out to the highest bidder, essentially to the donors who have given them given the most. So I'm all for an audience if it actually represents the America first Republican Party movement. And that means steelworkers. It means bus drivers. It means nurses. It means teachers. And so if that is who the audience is, by all means. But if the audience is the country club Republican business roundtable Republican who is going to boo at any sign of a candidate opposing the endless gravy train to Ukraine, then that's really not a fair audience. So let's open the process up. Let's create a lottery for people, for attendees. That's what we need to drive and to make sure the audience is a fair. I think it's an important part that people should participate, just like in 1858, Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln did these debates for three hours in front of the entire town, and people would sit there and, and just really take it all in we need to have that, too. But let's not deny working class Americans the ability to watch and to participate in these important historical debates. Yeah. If if anything, they should be the, the pool from which the questions are coming from uh, and That's not right. just some pre-programmed thing. Now, I actually had an opportunity to be a mediator for a, a, a senatorial debate uh, several years back. And I, I get to pat myself on the back a little bit. Obviously, I must have done pretty good being impartial because I had several of the Democratic folks coming up and asking me uh, where they could find my show and stuff like that. It's like, I, you wouldn't oh, like good. my show. I, <laughs> but that is certainly the rarity as opposed to the upcoming. Uh, 
how do we get around the uh, the bias now, though, if we yeah. can't get rid of the mediator? Because ultimately, that's the real thing. We've got to find a way to cut through the bias so that actual Americans can ask actual questions, right? Yeah, that's what we actually have to do. You're right. And so for 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 me, I, I think you actually have to just blow up this entire uh, commission on the presidential debates because they have time and again just demonstrated that they're not really for what the American people would benefit from, which is substance. I mean, I, I loved that debate. I loved being there. I was really lucky to be there. I didn't think that as a kid watching the presidential debates with my father and my grandfather that I would be in that hall one day a couple rows from the front. But I'll tell you that it was not a debate. It was not the debates that I participated in. It was not the debates that Incubate Debate hosts. What it was was a televised press conference between eight different candidates trading 30-second, 60-second zingers. There was no real substance. And so when a candidate like Ron DeSantis, for example, raises his hand that he would not give Ukraine money and then immediately backpedals and says, I would put, I would put more pressure on Europe to then give Ukraine money, that's a perfect opportunity to have a five-minute conversation where we can really understand the governor's views in that moment. The problem was is that Brett Baer and Martha McCalla had to move on to the next one. So we've got to raise the standards for what it means to qualify for the debate. And we have to, I just think, get rid of the moderators because we need actual substance. And, and maybe I could compromise on the moderator point, which is to say, make it a town hall. Make it a town hall where the people in the audience and let they be the American people, not the country club elite. Let them ask the questions to the candidates and let the candidates each get two to three minutes to respond. No moderator. It's really not that complicated. That is what you would get an immediate three to four time increase in viewership if that was the kind of debate that was on there as opposed to that zinger fest we saw last month. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do live in the age where more people care about what the Cardassians are up to than what policymakers are suggesting. So I, I think there's a lot of pressure. These folks feel that that's what they have to do if they're going to package and draw an audience. But I, I think you're absolutely right. We need to, a return to substance. We need a return to caring what's important. Uh, as is always the case with good conversation, James, it goes by way too quickly. And that's where we're at right now. So please let everybody know where uh, they can find your work. Uh, and I, I'm assuming that as you're looking to expand in Incubate debate in other states. There's going to be a lot of folks out there listening right now that'll be interested in trying to help with that. So, where do they go? How can they help? What's the level of interest? Share the websites, and if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share your handles and the platforms. And any final thoughts you want to put out there as well, feel free to throw all that out there right now. Well, I appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for the opportunity. To your listeners, let me just say that. Debate is not just an extracurricular, it is an American tradition. As I detailed in my reporting for the free press, this tradition is under attack by the far left, by the ideologically motivated who want to censor young students, in particular conservatives, from speaking the truth. If they mention the word illegal immigrant, they lose. If they mention the fact that police funding hurts black families, which it does, or cutting police funding hurts black families, which it does, they get the loss. So Incubate Debate is about righting those wrongs. It is about creating a platform where every student can be heard and students rise to the top 
on their merit of the argument alone. So I would be humbled to have their support in this fight. It's incubatedebate.org, incubatedebate.org. On the top, you can click donate and support. And I would just be grateful as we continue to expand, as we get unbelievable interest from cities and states all over the country. They want this model of debate that's actual debate that's actually embracing free speech. I think that's a a big uh, part of the path to saving the republic as she was founded. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, James, for joining us. As always, uh, it is an honor to get to speak with uh, folks that are on the path for uh, restoring liberty and maintaining the republic. I appreciate the fact that you're on that front line and that you're trying to undo the harm of indoctrination in our system. Thank you so much. Hope we can get together again sometime soon, continue the conversation, and uh, hopefully get to talk about some good things like uh, expansion of Incubate Debate. I hope to do. I hope to do so as well, Tim. Thank you very much. God bless. All right. Thank you. Godspeed to you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that was James Fishback, and uh, if you are listening to after the fact, there will be a link in the show description, as always. For those of you that are listening live, do not forget incubatedebate.org. And, uh, yeah, this is a great organization, and it's doing good work. And uh, I don't think we can afford to let them just continue to operate in Florida. We need to get this nationwide, although I'm sure some states would probably start to, to whine and wither. It be like throwing holy water on a vampire for uh, California and New York. But, uh, hey, they could use a little holy water right all right uh, we've got to start winding down for the broadcast at this point but again i'm left having to express my gratitude for you guys being here as always uh i can't possibly uh use words to express how much i appreciate it and not only that but your engagement with the sponsors uh, it continues to uh improve those relationships it's not me doing the hard sell it's you guys hearing uh, what they've got to offer going and visiting checking it out and deciding that these are things that uh, you can't do without and i appreciate that as much as anything too because it helps to keep the show going uh in the meanwhile We once again face a long weekend where Joseph Biden Robinette Jr., uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., let me get that in the right order, although uh, I don't think he would correct me. He'd probably say, yeah, yeah, uh, let's go, Brandon, is probably what he would have said there. But as we continue to extend the uh, FJB club, Let's remember that uh, we do have a nation that needs saving. Uh, Let's also remember that we need to focus on Joe Biden. We need to be talking about Joe Biden. If we're talking about Joe Biden, Joe Biden is losing, uh, regardless of who ends up being the nomination. uh, Until a different nominee is named, we talk about Joe Biden. All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Just a
Using both hands. <laughs> <laughs> 